We're still in Thanksgiving weekend. And I am so thankful as we approach Christmas into this wonderful time of year. And I'm very thankful, especially this year, coming, having just returned from Pakistan. I'm very thankful. I'm thankful that wherever you go in this world, you can find people who've committed their hearts and lives to Jesus and their family. I'm thankful that I'm a third generation Christian when I saw so many millions of people that had never heard about Jesus Christ. I'm thankful for the freedom that we have to worship the Lord and that persecution in our nation is not difficult like it is in a lot of parts of the world. We have so many things to be thankful for. And, and I want you to turn to this classic passage of Scripture about a man who received a miracle from God and he shows he, he's demonstrative in his thanks to God for what, what the Lord Jesus did for him. I want you to turn to chapter 17 in Luke and look at verse 11 with me today. It's the story of the ten lepers. And how many realize that Thanksgiving is not just a holiday? Amen? It comes from two words, thanks and giving, or you could say giving thanks. It's a lifestyle, church. It's not just a holiday where you eat a lot of turkey and good food and you watch the Cowboys. I started to say you watch the Cowboys lose, but this year they won. Miracles do happen. But Thanksgiving is a way of life for a Christian because we've encountered Jesus Christ. We've encountered the true and the living God. And, and because He has come into our lives, He transforms our hearts and our lives, and we're not the same anymore. And therefore, we live a life that is thankful to what Jesus has done for us. Let's look at this passage of Scripture in this great classic story. In verse 11, now it happened as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers who stood afar off. They had to stand afar off because that was the law. Because the leprosy was contagious. And so they didn't want it spreading. Verse 13 says, And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Notice they recognize that Jesus is the Master of all. They recognize Jesus was a Master over leprosy or sickness or disease. And they asked for His mercy in their lives. Verse 14, So when He saw them, He said to them, Go show yourselves to the priest." And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, were there not ten cleansed? 
But were but where are the nine? Were they not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Arise, go your way, your faith has made you well. I want us to notice verse 15 and verse 16 in this passage. I want to read them once again. And one of them, when he saw he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving thanks. Worship is giving thanks. We worship God because we have received the greatest gift that we could ever receive in Jesus going to the cross and dying for us. There's nothing greater. You talk about miracles, and I love miracles. I love seeing what God was doing in Pakistan. I love it when people come and give their testimony here and say, God touched me. God gave me a miracle, and I, and I, joy, I rejoice with them. But church, the greatest miracle of all is being saved. It's being cleansed of our sins. It's having a right relationship with God. It's knowing that we have eternal life through Jesus Christ. There's no miracle that's any greater than that. And if you've received that today, you should have a heart of thanksgiving and worship. And just like this leper, say, I'm going to be demonstrative for what God's done in my life. There are seven Hebrew words that are common, that are most commonly used in the Old Testament for worship. And I want to go through them. We've done this before, but I want to remind us today. And I want to go through these seven words and, and remind you what the true literal meaning of these words are. The first one is toda, and it means a Thanksgiving choir. And it's not a, a special choir that we get together and we would have singing on a holiday. It's not a holiday choir. It's a group of people that have experienced and encountered the true and the living God. Their lives have been transformed. They've received that great miracle from Him. And they, they come together as a choir and lift up their voices and give Him praise and worship. That's what it's talking about. Barak is another word for worship, and it means to kneel in thanksgiving or to bow down. You see a pattern here? Both of these have to do with thanksgiving. Tahila is another word. It's the third one that I'm mentioning, and it means to sing a song of, guess, thanksgiving. The fourth one, halal, means to give thanks by being clamorously foolish. Hallelujah! That's what it means. And in fact, halal is the root word for hallelujah. And one of the amazing things while I was in Pakistan, every church that I spoke in and visited through the, the, the 10 days that we were there, every one of them, their pastors would start off saying something like, isn't God good? And if he is, say hallelujah. And the whole church would erupt and say, hallelujah. I didn't understand anything else they said, but I understood hallelujah. And then he'd say something else. 
If you love Jesus, or if you love God's word, say hallelujah, and the whole church would erupt. And so I caught on really quick. So the next time I was preaching, I started off the same way. And I said, if you love Jesus today and he's your Lord and Savior, say hallelujah. If you love God's word, say hallelujah. Hallelujah. If Jesus still does miracles in your life, shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, you, you almost would qualify for a Pakistani church. And every church, they would, they would start the service that way, shouting hallelujah. The fifth word is yada, and it means to lift your hands in thanksgiving. That's literally what it means. You think, oh, that's just for Pentecostals. No, that's Bible. It's a form of thanksgiving to God and worship to Him. Amen? Zamar is the next one. And it means to give thanks with a musical instrument. This morning we had many on our platform that were using musical instruments to bring glory and thanks to the Lord. And the seventh is Shabbat, which means to give thanks with a loud tone. We interpret that shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Shout to the Lord. It's using your voice and projecting and thanking Him. And the thing is, all seven of these most common words for worship all have to do with thanksgiving. Every one of them has to do with thanksgiving. They're expressing not only their love for Jesus, their love for God, but they're expressing their thanks. We express our thanks because we've received from Him. The the lepers lifted up their voice and they said, Jesus, have mercy on us. They were not afraid to lift up their voice. And then the one that was healed came back. He fell at Jesus' feet. He was worshiping Jesus. And He lifted up His voice. Now through the years, I've been accused as a pastor of being loud. I prayed about it. I want you to know I prayed about it. Lord, make me, make me more quiet. And a good friend of mine came and start, he was there and he was praying for me. And he, he said, I've got a word from the Lord for you. God created you just like you are. So I said, okay. Sometimes I've been accused of being a cheerleader. I remember I tried out for a church one time years ago in in Alaska and the deacons came and after I was preaching the message, the comment got back to me that they said, well, he was like a cheerleader. And immediately the thought came to my my mind, this church is dead, buddy, and you need a cheerleader. (laughs) I think God... (laughs) You know, you've been there. We're not a dead church. We we know the living Savior, the resurrected Lord, and His resurrection power flows through our lives. Amen? So we're not dead. We're alive in Christ Jesus. 
And we're, we're going to praise Him. We're going to worship Him. The first thing I want us to see in this passage is powerful. Look at verse 15 again. We looked at it, we've read it twice, but I want to read it one more time. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God. What I want you to see here first is that miracles precede thanksgiving and gratitude. He received from the Lord... And then he comes and falls at his feet and begins to worship him. And church, we have received from the Lord. And if you're here today and you haven't received from Jesus, you've never invited him into your heart and into your life, it can happen right now. Say, yes, Lord, I want you to come into my life. You can receive from him. And then that gratitude is going to flow from our lives because we've received a great gift from the Lord. The greatest miracle of all, and I mentioned it a while ago, is coming to know Jesus. Do you believe that? I'm going to give you a, a, just a classic passage out of Romans chapter 8 that talks about this new birth, this adoption. In Romans chapter 8 verse 13, it says, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Amen. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with Him, that we may also be glorified together. Aren't you thankful that the flesh doesn't rule your life because you've invited Jesus and the Holy Spirit is in your life and that Holy Spirit confirms that you're a child of God? And you can cry out, Abba, Father, because the Heavenly Father is your Father. You've been adopted into the family. Your life has been changed. That's the greatest miracle we can ever receive. So just like the leper church, we need to be thankful and show our appreciation for what the Lord has done. I want us to think about this leper in the Bible. Anytime you come across leprosy in the Bible... The lepers couldn't associate with anyone else. They had to live in a leper colony. Leprosy is a horrible disease. And leprosy caused the person who contracted it to be separated from family. I want you to think about that for a moment. Think about contracting leprosy after you had a wife or, or a husband and, and children and having them tell you you have to go to the leper colony and you're never going to get to hold your son or your daughter or your wife or your husband again unless God heals you. You couldn't be a productive part of society. You couldn't hold a job. You couldn't see your career advanced. 
You were a social outcast, a physical outcast, and a spiritual outcast because in these times, many, many people believed that it was the judgment of God coming against you, and that's why you contracted it. Now today we think that's foolish. We know that we live in a fallen world and, and sickness and, and disease is part of this world. But they thought they were being judged. So they were outcasts from society and, and the, the, the bacterium would, would eat away. Their skin would eat away at itself and their digits would literally fall off. And, and I know I'm getting a little graphic, but church, I want you to comprehend this. It was a horrible disease. This man and these other men were hopeless. They had no future. They, they had been pushed away from their family. Some of them probably had jobs, the good jobs. And they lost their jobs. They lost their career. They lost their families. They were hopeless. There was no hope for them. But then they heard about Jesus. And that breaks my heart because I talked about it last week. There's so many millions of people that have still never heard about Jesus. And they're living in that same hopelessness. They had to cry out, unclean, unclean, if anyone would start to come close to them so that no one else would con contract the leprosy. So I ask you, do you think it was appropriate for this leper, when he realized he's healed, to come back to Jesus, to fall on his face before the Lord, and with a loud voice begin to worship him? Do you think that's appropriate? Yes. Yes, that's appropriate. In church, we've been healed of a greater disease than leprosy called sin. Now think about this. The one that came back was a Samaritan. It, it, it leads us to believe that the others were Jewish in, the, in, the, in this passage. It's like saying this person was an outsider. He didn't know God. And yet those that came to church all the time, they didn't worship the Lord. They didn't come back and thank the Lord. In church, there's a message there for us. I never want to be one of the nine that, that forgets about the good things that God has done for me and God has done for us and what He's going to continue to do. And I want to be a worshiper and I want to recognize what Jesus has done. Amen. There's another point I want us to see. Listen to this. This is powerful. Obedience positions us for the miraculous. Let that sink in. Obedience to God, to His Word, positions us to receive miracles from the Lord. Look at verse 14. So when he saw them, he said to them, Go show yourselves to the priest. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. Note, they were not healed when Jesus spoke the words. 
They were healed when they obeyed Jesus' words. Is the light going off? As they went, they were healed. That's powerful, church. Now think about this. He told them to go to the priest. But they weren't, by the law, to go to the priest unless they were healed. They could have just said, well, we're not healed yet, so I'm not going to go. And disobeyed the words of Jesus. But they didn't. They obeyed the words of Jesus, and as they were obeying the words of Jesus on their way to the priest, that's when they were healed. And there's a powerful truth there for us, church. If you need a miracle today, make sure your life is lined up with the Word of God. Do your best to live according to God's Word because when you live a life of obedience to Jesus, you are always positioned to receive a miracle. Are you with me? Amen? Do we need to go back through the hallelujah drills? That's a good word, church. So today, if you live for Jesus and you're striving to do your best, to live according to his word, then church, you are positioned to receive a miracle. You need to have faith and say, Lord, I'm being obedient to your word. Now, is there something in your life? I want to ask you a question. Is there anything in your life where you're not being obedient to Jesus? Then today's the day to make sure that you are being obedient are you with me because we need miracles we need to position ourselves to be recipients in first samuel chapter 15 there's a verse that's very powerful we've all heard it it's samuel confronting king saul when king saul was disobedient and verse 22 in first samuel 15 Says, so Samuel said, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams. Why is it better to be obedient than to sacrifice? Because... In the beginning, if man had been obedient, there never would have had to have been the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. So obedience, you can say, well, pastor, I sacrificially gave to the Lord. Well, praise God, but obedience is better. That's a powerful truth. Obedience is better. Now I want us to look in this passage in Luke. There's several things here that are that are, I want quickly I want us to see and then we'll close. But how many realize that the numbers for the verses and the chapter separations are not in the original scripture 
So a lot of times we miss that things are connected. And I want us to see something powerful in this chapter. Let's let's begin with verse 1 now in chapter 17 and see how all this flows into the story of the ten lepers. Then he said to the disciples, "Is it, it is impossible that no offenses should come. First of all, Jesus is talking about being offended. He's saying it's impossible that you're not going to be offended. We live in a fallen world where even people that don't try to make mistakes make mistakes or offend one another. So Jesus is pointing that out. But he says, but woe to him, though, <coughs> excuse me, through whom they do come. It would be better for him if a, a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea than that he should offend one of these little ones. Take heed to yourselves. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. Now, I think that one's, if we stopped right there, most of us would say, okay. Lord, I think I can do that. But Jesus didn't stop there. Look look at the next verse. And if he sins against you seven times in a day, and seven times in a day returns to you, saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. Now, how many find that a little difficult? Come on, be honest. The disciples thought that was difficult. Look at the next verse. And the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. (laughs) How many of you felt just like that? If the same person in the same day comes against you and offends you seven times and then he repents, Jesus says, forgive him. Increase my faith, Lord. That was what the disciples were saying. But look, look at what Jesus does. He, look at verse 6. So the Lord said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the sea, and it would, it would obey you. Jesus is saying, you don't need more faith. Look what else he says, verse 7. And which of you, having a servant plowing or tending sheep, will say to him, when he has come in from the field, come at once and sit down to eat? But will he not rather say to him, prepare something for my supper and gird yourself and serve me till I have eaten and drunk, and afterward you will eat and drink? Does he think that servant because he did the things that were commanded him I think not so likewise you when you have done all those things which you are commanded say we are unprofitable servants we have done what was our duty to do notice Jesus talks about obeying he talks about command doing the things you were commanded to do in this passage of scripture Jesus, this is powerful, church. 
He doesn't say you need more faith. He says you need to do what I've commanded you to do. Forgive. One of the greatest things that will destroy your life is unforgiveness. I've been a pastor for 30 some years. And I've encountered people through the years that struggled with unforgiveness. And many times they would say, well, you don't know what what was done to me. You don't know what I went through. And I'll say, no, I don't. But I know Jesus went through much more for you on the cross. And if Jesus can forgive you, he will give you the power and the strength to forgive those that have done offense to you. Church, I want us to enter into this new year, and I'm not, talk, I'm not preaching this because somebody's been offended today. That's the best time to preach on these things. <laughs> but I want us to go into the new year saying, I'm going to be faithful and obedient. And then Jesus shows them what happens when they're obedient through the ten lepers. He gives them a a real illustration when they were obedient and said, I'm going to go to the priest. I haven't received my healing yet, but I'm going to go to the priest. And as they went, they were healed. They received the miracle as they were obedient to God. Isn't that powerful? And I want you, church, as we enter in, I know that there are those here today, you need a miracle. Some of you may need a financial miracle. Some of you may need a a physical miracle, an emotional miracle, a relational miracle. Whatever the miracle that you need, just begin to be obedient. And position yourself for a Christmas miracle. Amen. I want you to stand with me. And I want our prayer team to to gather around the front and in the back of the auditorium. If you're online watching today, I'm going to pray for your miracle too. And I want to pray that we will, in this new year, be obedient to the commands of the Lord and position ourselves to see greater miracles in our lives than ever before. I love the fact that these lepers responded. They began to, listen, they began to live like they had already received their miracle. Did you see that? That's the way I want to live. I'm going to be obedient to the Word of God. His Word says that He's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that I ask or think, according to the Holy Spirit's power working within us. I I believe God's Word, and I'm going to be obedient when He says, By my stripes you were healed. I'm going to believe God's word when he says that he's going to provide 
according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So church, if you have a miracle you need today or you know someone that does, maybe it's the salvation of your, your family members or your friends, whatever miracle you need today, I want you to find one of our team and I want you to pray with them before we go and we're, we're going to close shortly. We're not going to take a long time. But I want you to step out from where you are and find one of our team and just agree with them for those that need a miracle. joining us today. We look forward to connecting with you next time. And don't forget, you can support us by giving through the Church Center app or by going online at summitwc.com give.